Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to One to One, the conversational marketing podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Brandt, co-founder and CEO of HBMN, or Health via Modern Nutrition. Michael, thanks for chatting with me today. Ben, it's great to be on. Looking forward to a fun conversation. Yeah, looking forward to this one as well. I have to say, this is a starting point. Thanks thanks for the swag. Uh, just for everyone listening, uh, Michael sent sent me uh, a bit of the product to try out. I'm currently traveling, so I haven't had a chance to try it, but I'm looking forward to trying it when I get back. Um, and, you know, Michael, before we kind of get started on the topics in the podcast, for those who haven't heard of HBMN, uh, can you just explain a little bit uh, about what you do? Yeah, our company is HBMN, Healthy and Modern Nutrition. I'm the co-founder and CEO. Our flagship product is called Ketone IQ. That was born of a $6 million contract we got with Department of Defense Special Operations Command looking at metabolic superfuel. A lot of people are familiar with what a ketone is because they've maybe heard about the keto diet, bulletproof coffee, that sort of thing. Keto diet is interesting. It's a weight loss diet where you make ketones as a byproduct. It's like you're sawing wood and ketones are the sawdust. It turns out that the sawdust itself is metabolic superfuel. So our special operator partners are not doing a keto diet. They're just drinking our ketone on top of a like blended diet and a lot of very active, obviously very active lifestyle and, and regimen. Same with our elite athletes. We work a lot with Tour de France. At this point, we work with elite athletes across all, all sports, all leagues, and branched out. We're, we're in grocery stores or Gwyneth Paltrow has it in her fridge. We are, we have gone from it being this kind of like Navy SEAL, super juice, metabolic fuel to, hey, look, collagen, omega-3, CBD. Those are freaking everywhere. Ketones, that is the same line of sight that we have. And mm-hmm. it's, it's fun. It's, I mean, it's always to borrow Jeff Bezos's words. It's, it's day one. It's always day one. I and mean, we've done a lot. Uh, and there's so much more out ahead of us in, in what we're doing. Really proud of what the team has accomplished in getting through this military project on our V1. We launched our consumer version in January of, of this year, 2022. And it's August right now. It's just been ramping. It's been a crazy year. It's ramping. ton of inbound interest from investors, from retailers who want to carry it. Direct, we run a big direct consumer business. Ton of ton of increase in volume there. So dealing, dealing with a really interesting set of challenges, and uh, yeah, just buckle in for the ride. Happy to happy to dive into what's going on. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, a crazy journey so far. I think the direct to consumer side, and you know, kind of the the marketing aspect of your journey is something that we'll really dive into on the episode today. Before we get there, I feel like I have to ask. You know, going you mentioned Navy Seal Super Juice and a six million dollar defense contract as being the kind of the start of this journey. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Like, how is it? How is the company born out of that? And then I guess also the shift towards consumer and towards you know a much broader market. Just explain a little bit how you decided to do that and the the process that it's been. Yeah, my, my co-founder and I, we met in undergrad at Stanford and we've been good friends since then, since undergrad. We both, I had a, I worked at YouTube for a couple of years, early YouTube days. If you remember that video Gangnam Style, the first... <laughs> 
first YouTube video to hit a billion views. That, that, was, that was how long ago I worked at YouTube. Awesome. Just learned a ton. It was awesome. Early days of YouTube. Learned how every single part of a company that's hyperscaling works. My co-founder started and sold his first company actually in that period. And then we reunited out of this passion for... We're both computer science guys. And we had this, we've always had this passion for biohacking, looking at our human body as a system. Your body is the most advanced piece of technology that you will ever own. And we're now getting a better insight into our body. We have essentially an API that is uh, uh, that is on our body where we're wearing these different wearable sensors, our aura rings, our whoops, our Apple watches. We're able to see what our sleep score is. You can send your cheek swab out to get your 23andMe genetic profile. You're able to see, like we've been driving with no dashboard lights on for forever. And now the dashboard lights are starting to come on. We can see what's our oil level. We can see a check engine light. We can see what speed we're going. So it's cool. You can see what is your blood glucose level. You can see, okay, that's a really important biomarker for a lot of day-to-day health and well-being as well as long-term health management, not getting diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's. So I would say we're in the era of the, of humans as the next platform. That was the meta of how Jeff and I got into this space. It's just big computer science guys. Smartphone is cool, but it's played out. I, I did not invent Snapchat, Uber, whatever. Like that stuff was already done. What is the next page of innovation? The next forward look on the next decade plus is the human body is the most interesting platform for innovation from, from our point of view. And we just started going to first principles thinking on it. Okay, everyone's doing the keto diet. This is back 2016, 17. A lot of people are talking about the keto diet. A lot of people are putting butter in their coffee to make their body make ketones. I got really into intermittent fasting. Jeff and I did a seven-day long fast with our community. We're doing all these different biohacks. And one thing that was common across all of them was, look, whether you're fasted or you're eating low-carb or keto or you're doing a lot of intense exercise, I'm also a marathon runner. Any of those contexts, you run low on blood sugar, your body starts making its own ketones. And we asked the first principle question on that, which is, okay, if people are jumping through all these hoops to get their body to make a ketone, why can't you go to the store and buy a ketone? And that was really the genesis of what led to us getting this contract with DOD Special Operations Command. And look, for any kind of product development, you always start in like the most narrow use case, right? Like you always start Mm -hmm. with the most zoomed in, like Uber when it first launched was like black cars for rich people. And then it became this like, everyone could have an Uber, you can have an Uber pool, you could have this or that. Uh, They got big ones, they got little ones. Like you start with your very dialed in niche. So for us, it made sense. Special operators and the DOD were really interested in in trackable, measurable performance. Hey, I drink this drink. I can measure my ketone levels. I can measure other biomarkers. I can track directly how the outcomes on my human body as a system. And the vision was always, okay, well, if that works in that in that test group to expand it out. Like everyone is doing metabolism all the time. Any business, you're going to start with your like, hyper-focused, elite, whatever it is. But for, I think for most businesses, the goal is to branch out, right? Nike started making running shoes for like really, really serious track 
runners. Now they make athleisure, they make basketball shoes for everyone, right? They're billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company. Like you always start, they say there's riches and niches. You start <laughs> hyper-focusing and then you try to take the learnings and like grow out. Ideally, the market grows out around you uh, from that insight that you have in, in your focus group at the start. Yeah, definitely. I think that's always where you see some of the most successful products, right? Are born of these very specific use cases, very specific audience. And then you're able to kind of bring that to a, a broader market, but it, you have to have created a ton of value for that very specific group of people at the start to really begin that feedback process and then, and then launch uh, way beyond that. I think. So many things I, I would love to unpack there. I think this idea of like humans as platforms is all stuff that is incredibly interesting and kind of like the next technology platform. I don't want to get into that too much today because I think for our listeners, while that is an interesting uh, topic, I think they'd be far more interested in you know how you made that shift from kind of maybe dominating a niche or developing for a niche and then building out to a broader customer base particularly as you expanded into consumer. I mean, I think I'd love to hear you talk a little bit, you know, you've probably had to learn firsthand a little bit, like what the consumer market looks like, how you reach, uh, you know, how you go direct to consumer with a health product like this, you know, can you maybe give us a few insights on like what you would just see the state of consumer marketing is today and then how you kind of tackled the challenges that you face with HBMN? Yeah, a few different a few different insights on it, which is that you can't boil the ocean. You cannot sell to everyone at once. The the goal can be, you know, there's I think an interesting parallel is nutritional collagen, where a decade ago collagen wasn't really on the map. Now they're like the top couple of brands in the states. They're just dropping off pallets of the stuff at Costco. So the the vision is to be broad market. But there's a brick by brick play to do that. There can be multiple different correct answers, but I would say the general pattern that you see is you start with this like tight circle of authenticity. Like Red Bull truly started with like snowboarders, mountain sports, and just they were actually on the scene, sponsoring the cool people, having them wear the helmet, dropping off crates of Red Bull at the cool ski shack party like they're actually in the scene on the scene to where mm-hmm. now it's like, i don't people drink it all sorts of different occasions even when like most red bulls not drunk drank not consumed on the ski slopes anymore but it still has that feel to it it still has that like authenticity so it's all about like like starting with that specific circle i think apple computer is really interesting right in the like 80s 90s they were they were not the dominant market player they were very much the the like pro hacker type that was really needed a certain type of computer. And, and those are the people that were really drawn to Apple. And then over time, it's like, okay, well, everyone became highly online and needing a really like it was needing a great computer, wanting really good UX, wanting something that just worked, wanting something that was powerful, wanting something that was like a nice end to end user experience stack. So but like that's not what Apple was in you know 1989, right? They you kind of built, you see the best, best businesses building brick by brick. So big insight for us, yeah. Like okay, well, like very, getting really specific, it's that okay, we have this special metabolic superfuel that Navy Seals are into. 
okay, well, like what starts being adjacent to that? Like by having authenticity in that core center of the bullseye, you start thinking like, what's the next layer around that, right? What's the next layer around that? And it's, and you start thinking about, okay, well, what about elite athletes? What about sort of elite athletes? What about people who just own a Peloton? What about people who drink athletic greens in the morning? What about people who own an aura or a whoop, right? You start thinking in terms of like, okay, what's like, what does that specific target of authenticity lend to like the next layer outside of that? Uh, you can think in circles and a bullseye. What's the next layer out by having, by having a business going in this vertical? What has that like preheated for you in terms of like expanding to the next vertical? Another general axiom I would say I hold true in the space of marketing is Every time you expand like one full one circle out of your bullseye, your market gets an order of magnitude bigger and your messaging needs to get an order of magnitude simpler. So with USDOD, we put together hours and documents and like a ton of paperwork to make the case there, right? The next layer out, it's like you don't have hours, but hey, that that's still a savvy consumer who's gonna spend maybe 20 or 30 minutes researching. It sounds like like you, you spend some some amount of time looking around ketones, understanding what we're doing. It's like a 20, 30 minute. Okay. What about when you go to the next layer out, which is like health and wellness or like diet and fitness? Like you're not trying to run an Ironman or you're not trying to be a super serious athlete. That person maybe will spend five minutes with your product. Maybe they'll spend 25 seconds with your product. Maybe they'll spend five seconds, right? Like, like as you go the layers out, it's like we're we're always thinking out a couple of steps ahead of like, okay, well. What is that experience? If people just pick up five-hour energy or a Red Bull or a pair of Nikes, like they don't think that hard about it. Within five seconds, they they see it, they grab it, they know what it is. So we have we've taken, we've come a long way. Like we now just have a shot format. It's a single dose, sits in grocery stores, it sits next to the like immunity shots and the probiotic shots. This is a ketone shot, and it's like reasonably easy to grok without listening to a 90-minute podcast about it. It's like People can download, people can get it. I, I mean, that's, I don't want to overstate, but like that's that's definitely the brief of what we are trying to solve there. And it's it's always about taking what worked at the previous layer and like, okay, how do we make 10 times simpler? So it's little, and it's funny because the game changes, right? Because the DOD does not care what color your packaging is and how pretty your colors are and how smooth your matte finishes. They don't care. But at, at a certain point, it kind of flips. Like people don't care how many IQ points you have and who's on your board and that the former chair of the joint chiefs of staff thinks ketones are great. Like they, they care. Oh, wow. Like your Maui sunrise looking pattern on your bottle is nice. I, that feels like a nice energy lift. Like that kind of looks like what I think that that product would feel like to drink. Let me take that home and try it. So like the game changes, but you want to still be, I think expressing the same, I mean, still the same core value prop inside of it it's just like at every layer you go outside from your bullseye you gotta like the game changes you gotta figure out a way to make it 10 times simpler to get that 10x bigger audience yeah i I like i feel like i've there are some big points there that you mentioned quite a few times that i think are worth repeating you know the the authentic right authentic is at the core of all of that really resonating with your core audience i think another one it's easy from a marketing perspective, sometimes when you try to go broader to think of 
different segments, right? Almost different segments is multiple different circles, pools of people that you're going to reach. What common attributes do they have? How do we speak to them? But I think the way that you're framing that as a bullseye and then layers around it that are kind of moving away from the core audience, but that is just ever expanding circles that are larger target markets where maybe you don't have to be as authentic or the authenticity resonates, but you don't need to always hone in on the exact reasons why your product was born in the first place. And simplifying messaging, I think that's a really, really important one. That's one that so many people get wrong too is, okay, this works with this segment. So we're going to try it in another segment. But the reality is that, yeah, as you go broad, you do need to simplify your message a lot. It might be that something like brand packaging has a, has a larger impact than, you know, the actual, you know, scientific benefits of your product. I'd love to hear you talk a, just a tiny bit more about, you know, how did you simplify your messaging during that process, right? From like extremely focused DOD contract making Navy SEALs, you know, perform at higher levels to then expanding the messaging out to athletes to then the everyday consumer. Are there certain, I guess, did you see certain messages stay throughout the whole thing? Uh, or did you just, was it really more of this, okay, let's boil this 15 paragraph pitch down to three bullet points that we can, we can put in a Facebook ad or, you know, how did that process work out? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's like the message was already in there in the sense that like, when Michelangelo is carving out David, like David was already inside of the marble and all Michelangelo had to do was like chip away everything that wasn't David. It's, I would say the same thing here where, okay, yeah, like when we have this multi-million dollar contract and seven different subtasks and we're looking at blood oxygenation under hypoxia and what is the cognitive efficiency in that scenario? Like, okay, there's a lot of stuff there. And I, I would say like to get that to a consumer message that might become like clarity or focus right you, like what is the one word to it it's like it says the same it's just like way more focused down and then and then allowing people to like double click into that and really understand okay well how is this different from caffeine like how mm -hmm. is this different from an, a, like a nootropic how is this different from xyz other thing um and that's all yeah that's all that's all part of the game is just like like chiseling down what's working i would say the framework the framework is there is no framework like you just talk to a lot of customers i think that's what it is like i think that a lot of people love to talk about a b testing and i think that's true in spirit and what i would say is like the best way i found a b test is to put the laptop away and go talk to 50 150 like talk to a bunch of customers like go somewhere in your target market like try handing out your product for free and see even how that goes like what are the questions that people have before they if they they adopt it um you learn so much and you find yourself i think it's almost the way your brain works like you almost get bored of saying the same old song and dance so you'll like kind of randomize it and then you'll be like oh wow this random new way i said it works or like it doesn't work as well like you kind of just if you're if you're at a trade show or at a conference or at it depends kind of what product we're talking about but it's like for mm -hmm. us like if we're an iron man or a crossfit games or what it's like okay how do you met how do you explain this to crossfit athletes like there should be some way to connect the fact that like 
special operators are into this with like better performance in a CrossFit gym. But like, what exactly is that? Again, you can A-B test, but I, the, I, my little secret for A-B testing is like, try to do as much A-B testing. You just, you can make like months of e-commerce A-B testing progress in like a day by just like getting reps out in front of people and just having that intuition of, okay, cool. Like people are not grokking when I say, x but they are rocking it when i say y like the light you can see people's eyes light up they get it right away when you say like right there's there's 10 different ways to describe it, a product we can call this metabolic super fuel we could call it the fourth macronutrient we could call it uh no sugar no caffeine energy boost like these are all true it's just like you can only put one on the front of your packaging you can only have one like above the fold eight one on your website so like again you could you can spend all you can spend months like even testing uh, and like we're paying Mark Zuckerberg a bunch of money to like A-B test different ads. Like there's some science to that approach. I don't want to completely poo-poo it. I would just say that one thing I've found is that the seeds for that have always come from like IRL or even a Zoom call, but like that face-to-face conversation with a real customer and many real customers. Yeah, I can definitely see the value. I mean, it's kind of putting away the the incremental testing and copy that's all being created by you and then putting your product in the hands of customers and then having almost like the voice of the customer tell you what's res- resonating, right? That's always also being able to take what they say, how they react is always going to give you an insight into what will resonate with other customers and your target audience too, right? So I think that's definitely yeah. something in in the digital age, we focus a lot on A-B tests, multivariate testing in like digital channels, but it's true that there is a ton of value of, of talking directly to customers, putting your products in their hands, having your reps talk to them. And then you probably, I'm assuming you've also used those insights to then build it back into all of your campaigns, all of your messaging and all of that as well. Oh yeah, like it, it, it all is connected. It's all the same messaging. It's, it's a matter of like, even just knowing what to A-B test, like coming up with good creative for that. I, I find a lot of it comes on the fly. Another mm-hmm. little tactical tip i have is that like say you have a friend who's into your product and you're you're at dinner grabbing coffee and your friend is like explaining it to their friend or like a a new person there's often going to be that inclination to defer to you like oh like like hey like ben i'm obsessed with your product here's here's alice ben tell alice all about your product (laughs) what you would do instead is you say you know what, Michael, why don't you give it a shot? Why don't you explain to Alice? Like, would love to hear what you think of it. And that, that like, hearing how your, cust- how your customers talk to their friends about it, super duper interesting. Because you get this, like, very honest, like, okay, what actually made it through the filter? Like, what actually resonated? Like, and because that's how marketing actually works. Again, if, if you're really doing your job, your, your word of mouth is on fire. It's like, how are people explaining you're offering to the next person over and you can borrow from that. It's like, okay, well, if that's what's making it through the filter, why don't I just start the messaging there? People are just like, it has this magical feeling. I don't really know how to explain the science behind it. It just feels like mad. And then, so, okay, why don't we just start off by saying, welcome to ketone magic. Like what, why don't we take things that are already filtering from our first, our customers to like the second degrees in the network and just like start our messaging there. That, it's just a little tip that like 
try to say less as a founder or a you know marketing leader in general. Like let observe how your fans of your brand are talking to their friends and try to be as quiet as possible in that conversation and just listen. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice, right? Your your evangelists, your most loyal customers are going to be the ones that are probably the best and will communicate the value of your brand in a way that you might not expect to. I mean, you've touched on it a little bit. One of my next questions was going to be, how has your kind of approach to marketing evolved as you as you founded the company? Are these, you know, some of these things that you've talked through just now, are those some of the things that have changed? Did you already have those when before you founded HVMN or has that been like a learning process? Are there any others you'd want to add to that? I would say always learning. I, I've always been interested in marketing and, and brand building. I Before HVMN, I taught brand strategy at the Academy of Art in San Francisco. And in undergrad, I, I like co-majored in computer science and product design at the D school there. So I've always had an interest in how in that gap between like technology to like the actual user experience, how does this technology actually hit culture? Like what happens when the rubber hits the road? Like no one actually likes using the HTTP protocol. No one likes the internet super highway. People just like get it like getting stuff done on the internet. You know what I mean? People just like the experience. People don't like to go under the hood. Most people don't like a V6 engine that does boop, boop, boop. Like car people do, like the aficionados do, but like most of the cars that are bought, it's people just want a car that works and is safe. Like people generally want the thing that that just works for them. And so it's interesting to like be able to telescope up and down of like, okay, well, to do something new and novel, you have to have good understanding of the technical landscape, but you also have to be able to map that like up like across that telescope, like we've been talking about, like making it simpler and simpler. So that's always been interesting to me for a decade plus. And it's been fun. I, a, a big part of why I was drawn to entrepreneurship was to be able to do it in real time instead of just like contributing to a slice of the pie while working at a bigger company or like thinking about it in theory about how the, the great companies do that. It's, it's been really, really fun to do it in real time with a real business. It's like, okay, we've created something new that, you know, new nutritional primitives don't come around every day, like CBD or collagen, or I mean, I, a lot of people, functional mushrooms are really trending these days. Like mm-hmm. you have like breakout, primitives like that like once or twice a decade and so it's really cool to be in the pilot seat on one of these and just saying okay well how do you map that down like how do you map it's like imagine you invented caffeine how would you go to market with that it's like okay well today a billion cups of coffee are drank every day like how would you start if you invented it it's like how would you how would you tackle that problem so it's a very fun like imagine you invented thc how would you explain that to me imagine you invented nicotine um it's really fun to think of like just like being the pilot seat of that like okay we invented imagine you invented gatorade imagine you invented like the idea of adding electrolytes to water like i and so i I think i got to a spot where i i felt deep in my bones like i understood the path of that how all like how apple took off how gatorade took off how nike took off how red bull like i got it and i was like teaching these classes on it to master's students in san francisco and that it was just like so obvious to me like okay i gotta do this like 
I got to do, and I got to do something weird. Like I got to, I got to swing for the fences. Like I don't want to just launch another popcorn brand that has whatever Michael's favorite flavors of popcorn to me. Like it had to be something like weird that like presented a educational gap challenge to it. Uh, Cause I think that's where the real, like the newness, the educational gap is all the same. Like that's where the new like massive enterprise created is around something new and the, i mean the downside of it just to like speak to the elephant in the room the downside is like maybe no one cares like maybe i'm sorry right. and like ketones never become more than a like niche i don't know like x maybe it's just a hundred million dollar category it's not this like 10 billion dollar plus plus category um that's the risk to take but that's i don't know it's kind of the fun of entrepreneur like what if nike what if running hadn't taken off i don't know what if like track and field was this niche sport I don't know. I'm down to take those odds, I guess. Lights yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement on that journey too. Like you said, it's big risk, big reward. Uh, and it sounds like coming from the, like you said, the academic background, the teaching those classes, learning about so many other companies, it's obviously a solid foundation to then, then run and, and do your own thing too, and, and see how it pans out. I mean, I think you mentioned it, you're talking, you know, 10 billion plus you, it's, you have very ambitious goals for what the size of that market will be and what you can do uh, with HVMN. Can you, you know, with such a huge market and, you know, trying to reach all of those consumers, how are you approaching personalization at scale or how are you personalizing messaging as you move away from the bullseye and get, you know, further and further out? You've talked about making it simpler, but are there ways that you're also personalizing that? Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the ways that we personalize it is by, it's not even us personalizing it. It's, it's working with different partners and influencers and retailers and distributors and like letting them do whatever they do, like work with a great TikTok influencer or work with someone who has a really massive podcast following and health and wellness. And they know their audience better than you do. So like let them if you're aligned that the product is cool and that you want to like do some partnership together, like let them take it and run with it. And then personalization happens automatically. And so it's not about, I mean, we, we do do things like we'll do like custom landing pages on our site, but it's like, I think marketing has evolved to so much more than what is on like your own brand domain. Like your brand is not your website or like hvmn.com slash triathlete or something. That's cool. Like personalize certain verticals that you have i think there there is value there your brand also just lives out in the out in the zeitgeist out in the discussion it's like what people are saying about you behind your back and out there in general so we try to to see that and like the personalization comes through there it's like you work with a great i was making it up but like you're we're the great badminton player like let them you were the most popular badminton player like let them talk about it and then your personalization is like done. It's like they will be talking about it in authentic terms about what, how it helps them. Like, I have no idea how badminton works. You know, like they will explain equestrian riders, like have them explain to their audience. And then I'm not saying it's incorrect to make like a landing page for equestrian riders, but it's all to me that's like secondary to like just find great equestrian partners and then give them full creative control. And then the personalization will happen off of that. That's 
Yeah, very interesting. I feel like that's something that some marketers or some brand owners that would scare the shit out of them, right? The idea of like giving up control of your brand, going through all of those processes of creative approvals, like owning what your brand is going to look and feel like when people are talking about it. But I think it speaks to the story you told earlier, right? Like let your friend tell their friend what your product is. And there's going to be so much you're going to learn from that. And I think the same thing here, right? If you let these groups of people who are ultimately like whether they're evangelists, influencers, friends, take your product and put it out into the culture, you're going to get a ton of value out of that. And I think it's a, that's a very interesting way to think about personalization at scale. That is not often the response that I get to when I speak to people on the podcast. So yeah, thank you for that. I think, I think control is an illusion in a lot of ways. <laughs> and like for us, it's like, okay, Jake Paul, the YouTuber boxer, he's a big fan, big user, investor, like be it his anti-fund, invested in our business. Awesome. Separate side of the freaking galaxy, Gwyneth Paltrow is a fan and has it in her fridge. Do I need to care if there is overlap between their audiences? No. Like, do I need to care if they are both? Do I need to like do a bunch of advanced calculus in my brain to figure out like, what is our brand value that do to do? It's like, I don't really care because Gwyneth Paltrow's audience loves Gwyneth Paltrow. They're not paying attention to Jake Paul or otherwise. Like Jake Paul's audience loves Jake Paul. If, if Jake Paul's a fan of the product, if he can transpose, like our brand is our brand. If I'm cool with like almost anyone who's not like a felt, basically, like like to talk about the product. Like I don't really care if like it's like the high school cafeteria. Like I don't really care if the jock table and the nerd table and the drama table if they get along personally with one another but they're all doing metabolism all the time and if we can transpose our our message of ketone iq into each table in the high school cafeteria then we're doing our job you know one thing that always comes to mind is michael jordan he's like well republicans buy sneakers too and his point was that he had this massive obviously black guy basketball urban uh audience around around nike you would think okay yeah very very left leaning kind of kind of uh, demographic that he's speaking to but i think he was very savvy to like from a business perspective that hey everyone's wearing shoes everyone's wearing shoes everyone should wear nikes we don't have to make this political and it didn't it it didn't have to become like a picking of favorites it's like Everyone can own a MacBook. Republicans and Democrats can own a MacBook. Like, why do we have to draw a line of like, okay, this type of thing is on brand or off brand? I think it's too, too precious about their brands. And like, I think you, you could and should have your own personal opinions outside of work as just a human being. But I think if we're talking about like brand building, creating shareholder value and creating something that's successful, so like you kind of want to be everyone's friend. Like, I, I was high, I was. Weird, I don't know, it's the weirdest flex, like 17 years later or whatever, but I was my high school class president. And I think I learned a lot from that where like that high school tables analogy made, made sense to me. It's like the math team, I was cool. I was like captain of the math team, captain of the soccer team, like the different tables in the lunchroom, I was all cool. They didn't necessarily like, like each other. But as a brand, you want to, you want to, 
likable. I mean, this is almost obvious to say, like, you want to be likable, people as quick as possible. So if you're too early picking favorites, I don't think it's going to serve you well. And my final thought on that is that, look, if you're picking who to put on your homepage or who to do a giant billboard on the side of the highway, okay, be really picky. Yeah, sure. I Like, I get it. You're putting your own brand dollars, your own organic traffic, like, in, yes. But when we're talking about, like, partnerships, like, are you cool with XYZ Celeb talking about your product? If they like the product, let them talk about it. Like, like get it out there. Like, their audience likes them. We did a big partnership with Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong is a very polarizing people hate him think he ruined the sport of cycling the other half think he's jesus he like launched live strong had made the biggest impact in cancer of anyone survived late stage cancer himself went on to win however many six different tour de france's sure he doped everyone was doping all 49 people on the finishing podium were doping okay lance armstrong polarizing guy do i need to play favorites there it's like the people dialing into his podcast clearly like the guy or they're not listening in. So there's no hesitation to go and work with him. And like, I don't really, I, I was just repeating it here. It's like, I don't super care if like partner A likes partner B. Something I strongly about. Yeah, I think you broke up at the very end of that. But for me, I think the message is, is pretty clear, right? The, that those people will know how to speak to their audiences that they can bring a ton of value to your brand by looping in those people. Don't be so precious about it. Like you said, maybe if you're going to pick someone to go on your homepage, have a little more consideration about it, but you don't have to own the entire influencer network and, and control everything. Um, I think, I think you've touched on a lot of different things that you would, you know, what are the pieces of advice that you would give brands that are looking to engage modern consumers, you know, think through what you've said, I could probably glean three already, but I would love to hear in your own words, like if, you know, for marketers, for founders that want to engage the modern consumer, want to engage culture at the scale uh, that you're talking about, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give them? One off the bat is having, having a community, a following, almost, it, it should precede launching a product or brand. If you, if, if you're in a corporate job and you're thinking about making the jump or you're in college or whatever, you're thinking about going into entrepreneurship or starting your own thing, it's so low stakes to go and just be, start being really active on Twitter, start posting onto TikTok and Reels like ex, you know, every day or three times a week. Or, it's so low stakes because it's not even going to look to your boss or whatever that you're like, you're, you're, you haven't started another company yet. You're, you're just like having fun, right? You just say, Hey, I have an email list. I have a blog. I have a bunch of followers on Twitter. I just talk about whatever. And, you know, it's, I, I talk about how I'm the director of marketing at my company and it's cool. It's all good. Um, cause if you can go and get 20,000 followers on LinkedIn or 50,000 followers on Instagram, it, it can only help you. It can only add upside when it's time to launch a brand. And then you're trying to get it out there, you're trying to have those conversations with customers, you're trying to get the first hundred people to buy it and give you feedback. Like I would try to, is there's a lot of entrepreneurs I think get into the game because they have a cool invention, which is great. It's great. And then they're like kind of scrambling to figure out product market fit or like build an audience around it. I mean, you also see people who do the opposite. Where you, like, you see the, all the, the extreme examples like celebs. 
Like if your last name is Kardashian or you're, you're a famous athlete, whatever, you can launch. It almost doesn't even need to be that new or novel. It's just like the name recognition alone off of your lipstick brand and your whatever, your hydration drink. Like it doesn't need to necessarily be like this galaxy brain breakthrough innovation just off of distro alone you're able to pipe it out there so and there's something to learn from that where like building like build the audience before you build the brand uh and i think it's a good way to run it um i think also yeah like like like, it's good to be loud we live in like this meme attention economy like attention is the most scarce resource you got to figure out how to make your product into a meme like we do a lot of little things like ketone IQ is like powering all the big brains of web three, like make ketone IQ, the official unofficial drink of like all, all the like crypto NFT crowd. Like it's cause we're kind of weird from the future, super fuel from the future. Let's like be part of that, like crypto think boy starter pack, right? You get your ETH wallet, you buy some NFT, drink some ketone IQ. Like you want to like meme yourself into the zeitgeist the coolest thing with memes is that they do all the talking for you like, i don't know if people remember there was this like ocean spray this this dude was like riding on his skateboard drinking ocean spray this like super cool mexican dude and i don't know why it just hit the nerve that video got like a like 10 million views and then everyone started like imitating it it was like all of this i don't think ocean spray was behind it whatsoever i, I think they were they got lucky to be honest but if you can like see that kind of stuff by being like just like throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks as a entrepreneur under like be loud i would say okay here's how i would boil it down like a sentence is that try things out be loud if things don't work it doesn't matter because if your content didn't go viral no one cares because no one saw it because it didn't go viral and if it does go viral make a big splash then you win so don't be again don't be precious or shy about anything because like there's no, you can only make points. You cannot lose points by trying things out. Either no one cares, which is the status quo is no one cares about your brand, you're tiny, or it randomly goes viral. You get lucky to keep taking shots on goal. And then cool, you made a giant impact, but you never lose points. Like if you post something on Instagram, and it like gets 16 likes, doesn't go anywhere. Okay. 16 people saw it. Like who cares? Like everyone forgets about it. So we've moved on from this world where it's like, hey, let me like dial in this perfect marketing campaign, X, Y, Z. It's like, it's so much more about quantity and just like take shots, work with different partners, let go of the creative controls, let different influencers and partners try things out, try things out yourself. Just like keep throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks and then let let that guide, like based on what's working, like double down into what's working. But you, you gotta be, gotta be a little bit wiggly you can't be stiff (laughs) yeah i think that that's good advice for people right the i mean marketing is ultimately a feedback process right you're going to get better and better over time and all the things you mentioned are essentially accelerating that cycle right building an audience first allows you to get that feedback instantly allowing it to run rampant into culture like allowing influencers to take over all of that accelerates the feedback process like it gets the name out there allows you to then pull in all the insights that are coming in so i think we are precious it's easy to like spend 
10 hours crafting the perfect LinkedIn post, the perfect Instagram shot. Uh, nobody watches it. You're right. Nobody cares. Uh, so you should just allow it's It's about consistency and about volume at the end of the day to get out there. So I think all, all great advice, especially, you know, with the digital world that is so saturated with content, uh, and, and memes and people shouting everywhere about everything. So I think it's, it's important to keep that in mind, uh, as you try to continuously get the message out. I mean, we're getting a little low on time. I'd love to wrap up sure. with, you know, what for you is kind of the, the future of consumer marketing. You've talked a lot about the zeitgeist, about seeding control to the, to the crowd, uh, letting a brand kind of evolve almost naturally in that way. Uh, what does the future look like to you? The culture is going to continue to evolve and accelerate. I think it's remember like I don't know like a couple like a couple of decades ago when like Adam Sandler's like Hanukkah song was like the funniest thing in the world for like years, and now you go on TikTok and like every single video is like as funny or funnier. Like like the rate of culture has just accelerated so much, right? There, there's like the SNL cowbell skit that like everyone shared around for like five ten years and now it's like there's funny stuff like that that just go it like comes in and out in like a matter of like weeks on tiktok it like comes in and goes out and it's just like the speed of culture is accelerated but i think that's a big one i think yeah yield, yielding control one line i would draw in the sand too is like i think that i i think nfts are going to make their way into marketing I don't know if they're going to be called NFTs or just drop the NF parts, call it a token, like bring it down to planet Earth. But I, to me, it's obvious that this idea of like being able to own something online, like, hey, the first 10,000 people that buy X get a token that they can carry and it's secure and it's in their online wallet and that that will let them log into the website and get access to future deals. It will grant them access to certain events. The idea of like online digital ownership it's like yours and it's portable. It's not like, oh, I got this on, um, I got this from this brand and I can only use it to interact on this brand. The idea, like, I, like uh, everyone, you know, Board Apes, the biggest NFT, is like, I can make something on my store without Board Apes permission that gives every Board Ape holder a discount. Like, I don't have to ask them. It's not like, like United Airlines, they have their like mileage rewards program, but it's like so locked in and I cannot interact with it. it in any way, unless I do a partnership with United. Same with like Nike rewards points, whatever. So I think it's obvious that there's going to be this idea of token ownership, that consumers can have something in their wallet that they own, that different brands can choose to interact with or not. Um, I think we're still very early. I think we're looking at, I think the NFT space is where like it was in like 92. But I don't think that, I'm not saying, hey, go out buy jpeg and mortgage your house on it but it's like you had a lot of websites in 1992 not a lot of them are around today in 2022 but the core concepts of the space were being built in i think the core concepts of the space are being built now and i think it's just something to keep an eye on there's companies like novel that are building like tooling for e-commerce or just brands in general to be able to interact with that layer without being like hyper technical like it's it, it's becoming more frictionless already yeah i think that's also it seems like a natural evolution of a lot of what you're talking about too right those idea of 
community, like tapping into like niche groups, but then not in a way where you're controlling everything and then allowing things to kind of rapidly evolve from there. So I think it really ties into how you you think about marketing, about brand, uh, about founding a company in general. Michael, that's that's all we're going to have time for today. Uh, I think thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. I think a lot of really interesting conversation about what it is to build a brand in in today's world and how to engage people as you start to broaden that bullseye and get very very you know a lot of large target market. Um, before before we wrap up, if people want to follow your journey, uh, you know, hear more about what you have to say, where should they go? You can find me on. Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. I'm at BDM underscore runner. And our company, Healthy Amount of Nutrition, is at HVMN on same Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Love hearing from people. Love hearing people, what you're building. If you're training for a marathon or biohacking on something cool, if you're launching a new brand, love to hear from people. So yeah, drop a, drop a line. Love to, love to be in the community with people. Yeah. All right. Well, you heard, you heard Michael Brandt. Uh, listeners, thank you so much uh, for listening, for watching this episode of the podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about uh, Spectrum, what we're doing about personalization at scale, check out Spectrum on LinkedIn or go to www.spectrum.io. Uh, Michael, thanks again. It's been It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much, Ben. It's a great conversation.